See, here's the crazy thing about football. It's one of the most violent, disturbing, mentally and physically taxing and draining sports. It's one of the most terrifying things you can do to a human body. And it's something that, honestly, most of us who are somewhat sane should feel really dirty watching it, considering the just awful people that are a part of the NFL. Problem is, when that season starts in September, my ass is going to be going out of my way to watch the NFL. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, hey now, how's it going? My name is J. Scott Smith, and this is JSC Radio, episode number eight, the Ocho, ladies and gentlemen, as we keep moving on this odyssey that is JSC Radio. I want to thank everybody who's checking me out right now on iTunes. Remember, go to iTunes, go to the iTunes store, search podcasts, put in JSC Radio, and you'll find me and hit that subscribe button and bingo. You don't have to do anything else. Well, you can do one other thing. You can certainly rate the show and leave a comment. I don't give a damn if you leave a negative one. Leave a comment, but give me a positive rating and let me know that you're listening out there. Also want to shout out people who are listening on Stitcher Radio. So remember, Stitcher is if you don't have an iPhone or an iPad and you want to listen on an Android or on a Kindle Fire, which you can get with that JSC Amazon link, by the way. If you want to listen to the show on Stitcher, go check it out. That's Stitcher.com and just search JSC Radio. So, how the hell are you doing? We're rolling into the month of April, coming off of that crazy NBA week last week. The playoffs started over the weekend. My Pistons, they put up a good fight in Cleveland. I'll give them that. They didn't go out there and get blowed up real good. Not like certain teams. I'm looking at you, Houston Rockets, and Dallas Mavericks, and Portland Trailblazers, and Charlotte Hornets. But look, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> and hell, the Indiana Pacers actually won in Toronto, by the way. So there's that one lower seed getting some love. But the Pistons didn't go out there and get their heads ripped off, at least. They actually went out there and stayed in that game for three and a half quarters before the Cavs did what the Cavs do. Remember, hashtag don't get swept. That's all I want from them. The Pistons haven't been worth a damn in, in, in seven years. They haven't been anywhere remotely close to legit competitive in eight years. I ain't looking for y'all to go out there and beat Cleveland because that ain't happening. What I'm asking you to do is not go out there and get embarrassed. Don't get embarrassed. Don't get swept. Period. Don't be like the Houston Rockets and get your head kicked in. Don't get swept. Fight. If you can get it to six games, that's the biggest victory you can have. For real. Shout out to them. Shout out to the Red Wings who were able to at least cut their deficit to 2-1. They got a win at Joe Lewis. Big ups to them. You know, I think about hockey, the funny thing is, hockey kind of leads into what we're going to talk about today, and it's concussions. Now, concussions are things that are, these days, when you look at professional sports, and just even amateur sports, high school sports, pro sports, it's a hot-button issue. Hell, pro wrestling, MMA, boxing, it's, a, it's an issue, and it's an issue that's finally getting the attention it deserves. But the one sport that has its pretty much just circling around it more than anything else is football, and that's football on all levels. And for those of you who know me, this might be nothing new, or there could be some new tidbits in here. But for those of you who don't really know me that well, I played football in high school. Now, I guess let me backtrack. I first got introduced to football 
while I was a little boy growing up in Detroit. Growing up, I was not, at least as a little kid, I didn't care much for football. I didn't really know much about it. I didn't understand the rules. I was a baseball, basketball guy. I came up playing baseball. Baseball is my number one sport, has been, always will be. You can't get me off of it. When those of you are running your mouth in April talking about, oh, oh, but is it football season yet? No, it's baseball season. It's the NBA playoffs. It's the NHL. Go and sit down somewhere and stew until, in fact, you know what? I don't want to even, I don't even want to really hear the letters NFL, save for the draft which is coming up next week, save for the draft. Once the draft is over, NFL, go away. I don't want to see you again until July. As Deadspin put it, go away, football. Or better yet, as Jim Cornette likes to say, how can you expect me to miss you if you don't go away? I'm tired of seeing the NFL proliferating my TV screen, beating up my eyeballs. Everywhere I look, it's draft pick this. People talking about fantasy teams in March and April. You don't even know who the hell's on the team in March and April, but I got to listen to some jackaloon talk to me about his fantasy team in March. Season don't start for six months. Training camp don't kick in for four and a half. Get the hell out of my face. I'm not trying to deal with your fantasy team nonsense right now. And when I think about when I was a kid, football, football was big. But it wasn't enormous. It wasn't too big to fail like it is now. Growing up, baseball fan. Loved baseball. That was my thing. Basketball was a close second. Football was just this really weird, violent sport with a bunch of dudes running into each other that my mother would spend six hours watching on Sunday. No, yes, by the way, it's my mother who got me into football. Not as much as my dad. My dad was always more of a basketball guy. I can sit here and I can say honestly that football never really slipped onto my radar until I was 10 years old. So that would be 1989. And in 1989, the reason I started even kind of paying attention because I noticed my mom, when she would watch football, she would watch Lions games on Sunday afternoons. I never really understood the game, but I finally decided to take time and learn it. My mom, again, she was a phys ed teacher. She got her original degree was in phys ed before she eventually got a master's degree in education. And her thing was about sports. She introduced me to basketball, baseball, football, anything that she could teach me, she did. And she knew the basic general rules of football, and she broke them down for her 10-year-old son in 1989, and it helped that the Detroit Lions drafted this individual named Barry Sanders. And suddenly, football looked like the coolest damn thing in the world. And yes, the other thing that was noticeable, especially then, this is late 80s into the 90s, the big hits. Dudes would get rocked, get drilled, get smashed. It's a level of violence and a level of carnage that I had never really seen or fully understood. Mind you, I didn't watch a whole lot of hockey, which really is just as violent as football. But it was a level of carnage and violence, and this, and it was so interesting to watch. But it was always something I said, I never really want any part of that because, you know, not really trying to get hit. But by this point now, I'm kind of into football and became this thing. It became what it is to people all over this country where it becomes rooted in tradition. In Detroit, with the Lions, aside from, I know what some of you smart asses are thinking, aside from losing, that's a tradition in Detroit. <laughs> Kiss my ass. If, aside from losing in Detroit, one of the big traditions of Detroit and football is Thanksgiving Day. And this is at a time period when the Lions were actually pretty good. But in the 80s, and especially the 1990s, 
the Lions were actually pretty good and they would win more often than not on Thanksgiving and they made the playoffs six times during the 1990s so of all the times for me to come into watching the Detroit Lions and watching the NFL that was it in the 80s I kind of had a vague memory of Joe Montana I didn't get big into football until the 90s and I just knew I wasn't really itching to play football I wasn't I want to be a baseball player I want to play basketball. I ran track. I wasn't trying to go out there and get popped, get hit, and then get back up and get hit and get back up again. I'd see kids playing football, organized football, pal football in Detroit was big, but I was always trying to play basketball or I was always trying to play baseball. It just was not my thing initially. But the thing about me, and I've told you, by the way, JSC Radio gets personal, so you get to find out things about me that most normal people wouldn't. And the thing about me is, especially at that time period, when, when I got a little bit older, three, four years later, I get into high school. I go to a high school in Detroit, Renaissance High School, which we didn't have a football team my freshman year at Renaissance. We didn't. One of the few at the time, one of the few Detroit schools that did not have a football team. This is 1993 into 94. We did not have a football team there. So it wasn't a big deal. But during my freshman year, it was announced that we would have a football team starting the following year, my sophomore year, as JV only. And then two years later... That's varsity team. And I still didn't have a ton of interest in going out there and getting hit. I didn't mind playing flag football as I did in middle school. I didn't mind, you know, a little two-hand touch action. But when it came to tackle, you ain't tackling me. You ain't hitting me in the face. You ain't knocking my teeth out. Are you kidding me? And no no level of helmets and pads was going to convince me otherwise. But the one thing you couldn't tell 13, 14-year-old J. Scott Smith is you can't do something. Even if I, in my own mind, had made it up that I wasn't going to do something, you didn't want to tell me circa 1995, 1996 that I couldn't do anything or I wasn't tough enough or I wasn't strong enough or I wasn't man enough because that's what football is. Football falls into this macho, hyper-masculine idea that you're a tough guy, you're a warrior, and only strong to survive. So... My mother made an offhand comment to me that she didn't think I was made to play football. And you couldn't tell me that because my ego was through the roof. My insecurities were on full display. And I'd already taken the physical because, of course, I was a runner. I ran track. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was getting ready for track season. I wasn't thinking about football. But when you tell me I can't do something, I did it. I was scared as hell. When I tell you, I had no clue how much of a switch from flag to tackle to organized tackle football. Oh, yeah, I was scared as hell. I'm not going to sit here and act like I wasn't. It, it's, it, 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 it had me nervous. It had me shook. And in football, there ain't no such things as halfway crooks. You can't go out there and just expect to get by and try to hide. I was a tough kid. I took a lot of shots. I mean, when you run track, you go through enough. Playing baseball, you get your fair amount of nicks and cuts. Playing basketball, you get elbowed and you take you take picks and everything else. So you're thinking, all right, how much different is this really? Man, listen, it's like being in a car wreck 50 times. Little things like running up and blocking kicks because at my size, at that point, I was five foot eleven, barely a buck thirty-five. I was a wispy little some bitch, and. I'm out there on that outside on the field goal unit, and I'm faster than everybody else. So I'm the little gunner on the outside who's going to streak in and try to either disrupt or completely block field goal and extra point attempts. And here's something that most people don't realize. You're taking shots 
to every part of the body, but especially the head, and even in situations where you don't realize it. I counted off, if you can call them concussions, I probably had three of them. Maybe technically two. I'll get to that in a second. Technically two, but I probably called it three. The first one came from an unlikely source, blocking a kick. I don't think you understand how hard a football is. If you ever, like those of you who caught football, held onto a football, squeezed the football, yeah, it's a little tight. It's a little hard, but if you've had a football bounce off of you and somebody throws it at you, it doesn't really hurt you too much. It's a lot different story when someone with a powerful leg kicks that damn thing and it catches you square in the face mask, snapping your head back. And people think just because you got that helmet on, it's going to protect you. It doesn't. It was not fun. And I was woozy. I was a little off kilter. Didn't get sick, but I was a little off kilter. And I had a headache that was not fun. One other practice, and again... You have to understand this. When you play football, there's always going to be an inherent nervousness. You've got to be a brave dude to go out there and do this. But probably no people are more brave or foolhardy, depending on how you look at it, than punt and kick returners. And I called myself trying to return kicks. Again, I saw kick returners during NFL games being able to make these shifty moves. I'm watching Mel Gray and Deion Sanders and Eric Metcalf and great and, and all these great kick return and punt return guys. And I'm thinking, hey, I can do that. I'm faster than everybody. But you don't take into account watching on TV that you also have to hope that the 10 guys in front of you are all on the same page. Because all it takes is one guy slipping or, or making one misstep and a guy gets through that wall and you are a sitting duck. And this is in practice. Not a game. Not a game. I'm talking about practice, and I'm up there waiting on this kick, and it's the loneliest feeling ever because you can't look down. If you get nervous and look down, you're going to get drilled. So I look up. I take one step back. I should have taken an extra one. The ball kind of hit me in the shoulder pad, bounced forward. I quickly snap that ball up. The ball barely touches the ground. By the time I look up, that's the last thing I really recall because I got smashed. That's where I think the second concussion came in because the next thing I recall is just kind of laying there. I don't really remember the hit. I just remember being on the ground and holding on to the ball and standing up was a problem. And again, this is 1995. 1995, there's get your ass back out there. You got your bell rung. You're good. Get your ass back out there. And I did. I wasn't 100% with it mentally, but I did. And we go through this drill. I was also a defensive back, and we had to fight for the ball. Ball goes up. You got to try to get it. You got to fight for it. Pass goes up. I leap up, make the catch, intercept the thing. But the problem is the guy behind me catches me, and I get German suplexed onto the back of my head. That was the end of my day. I knew in high school that even though I was going to see that entire season through, I knew football was something I never wanted any part of. And that's not to say that I'm ashamed to acknowledge that. I'm not ashamed to acknowledge that. Because guess what? Football's difficult. And it's dangerous. And if I had a son, Lord knows, mm -mm, he ain't playing. I'll put a baseball bat in his hand. I'll give him a baseball glove. I'll get him some track spikes. I'll give him a basketball. I'll send his ass out there to do arts if he wants to march in band. Whatever it is, I'll support him 100%. The one thing I'll say no to is football. And that's not to say if you want to play it, I'm going to look down on you. But understand the risks. Football is a dangerous game. If you thought about quitting, you were going to get shamed into oblivion. You're a punk. You're a pussy. You're soft. There's another word that I won't use that was used 
at back at that time, but you can take a wild guess what word it is. Just know that it starts with the letter F and it's not very not very cool to say. You'd get shamed for not doing it. And I kind of see that now with a lot of these with a lot of these ex these so-called ex-jocks and these fake tough guys who dare to say that football has gotten soft and football has gotten weak and man up and you can't take a little hit. It's just a little bump on the head. You can't take a little hit. Anybody who says that probably never set foot on a football field. Or if they were on the football team, they never actually got on the field and played. Because if you got on that field or you took one good stiff hit, I will tell you right now you'd want no part of it. And you wouldn't dare let it come out your mouth to tell somebody to man up after getting popped and they can't really recall where the hell they are. Football practices and football games are like war zones. I've seen dudes let out on stretchers, bleeding profusely, guys who can barely remember who they are or what they're doing here, guys getting hit so hard that they vomit all over the place on the damn sideline. You don't have a clue of how difficult of a job it is and how tough it is on those players. Again, it's like a car wreck all the time, but yet we still watch. I still watch. I'm a hypocrite in that aspect. I still watch the NFL. And I cringe every time I see a dude take a stiff shot in a game. Makes me nervous. Scares me. Scares the hell out of me. Scares me for the dude's safety. I keep watching. Even with the fruitless hope that at some point the Detroit Lions will actually win another playoff game in my lifetime and actually do something. I watch. I do it fully well knowing that what I'm watching is somebody getting their life shortened. And it's not just the NFL. It's it's the National Hockey League. Hockey has the same issues. It's just like in, uh, in the UFC. They have it. Hell, you just had a UFC fighter die after being knocked out less than a week and a half ago. Pro wrestling. All I have to say are the words Chris Benoit. Head injuries and head trauma are what could really cause damage to football in this country. But the thing is, if that's what it takes in order to help save lives, because you can never make football fully safe, then you got to do what you got to do. Coming up on the flip side, we talk about the NFL and WWE and the NHL, and concussions. And yeah, I'm also going to shine a light on a whole lot of dirtbags that are associated with the NFL who are going out of their way to try to minimize the brain damage that's done to these guys with headshots. But first, a very quick thought on Chris Beard. Chris Beard, in case you didn't know, just two weeks ago was hired to be the head basketball coach at UNLV. This is after he had led Arkansas Little Rock into the NCAA tournament 30 wins, mind you, and an upset victory over Purdue in the first round of the tournament. He then jumped ship on Arkansas Little Rock and headed out to Vegas where he said it was a great opportunity and he was looking to build a foundation. And then Texas Tech, where he had coached for 10 years prior to that as an assistant, came calling. Barely a week after he signed there, he's gone. Now what's so crazy about this is, let a player try to pull what Chris Beard pulled and guarantee you the kid would be called everything from a traitor to someone who didn't have the dedication to someone who didn't care about the team to selfish. Plus, the NCAA won't allow a kid to get up and just transfer and bounce to a different team within the same month's time because he would surrender an entire year of his eligibility. I mean, just look at Spike Albrecht who tried to transfer out of the University of Michigan. Michigan tried to keep him 
from going to whatever school he wanted to go to. It's funny how that works. A coach can get up and bail on a team mid-season. No penalty. Let a player want to transfer after he realizes he's not going to get the shot he was expecting or the shot he wants, and you got to sit out a year. Are you flipping kidding me? Nice work, NCAA. And Chris Beard, I sure hope that trip down to Texas Tech is worth it because if you don't start winning, you're going to look like a bigger fool than you already are. My name is Jay Scott Smith. You're listening to JSC Radio. More on the flip after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio. And I want to personally take a second to thank you for taking out your time to listen to this show. But one other thing I would love for you to do while you're here is to take a little extra time and click on that Amazon link below the player. See, when you click on that Amazon link below the player, anything you purchase, and you don't have to purchase anything right now, but just bookmark it, save it to your favorites, and the next time you go on Amazon to purchase whatever it is, whether it's, I don't know, computer equipment, or music, or you could be trying to buy a watch, or buy a suitcase, or buy a new microphone in case you want to start podcasting. Whenever you want to do that, click on the Amazon link, go buy whatever you want, and whenever you purchase something on Amazon, a little bit of it gets chipped off to help JSC Radio keep rocking, keep rolling, and keep growing. So again, click on that little Amazon link right beneath the player. You'll see it. It's highlighted right beneath the player. Save it to your bookmarks. You ain't got to buy nothing right now, but the next time you want to jump on Amazon, Put your Amazon Prime to use. And also, it will definitely work if you want to download music and download Amazon Video too. A little bit of money gets shipped off to JSC Radio to help keep us moving. Really appreciate it. So, show some love, get on Amazon, and click the link. This is JSC Radio. We have this fear of concussion uh, that is real, but not all of those, I think, statistics can prove anything. Uh, we've got new helmets coming out. We've got safety issues. There are more concussions in child, women, girls soccer than in football at that age. The number two sport with concussions is women's soccer. Uh, but no one says, we've got to stop playing soccer. Same thing with knee injuries. There are more knee injuries at 8 to 12 in soccer than football. And you can find all the statistics you want if you want to crucify something. This is JSC Radio, episode number eight, the Ocho 
Welcome back, J. Scott Smith here. And I, I want to make sure I clarify this real quick before we get further into segment two here of the show that I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy playing football because I did. I, I honestly did. It was an experience. I'll say that more than anything else. And people say, oh, it's an experience I would never take back. I mean, I weigh it on two sides. I was able to play football with a bunch of really good dudes, and we all ended up going on to do some really cool things. And it was a hell of an experience, and it was cool to be able to be a part of that history-making event. Because every time you go back to Renaissance High School in Detroit, you see 1995 division champions. Oh, by the way, we won our division our first year in existence. 1995 division champions. And you see that picture of the 1995 team, which is crazy now because it's been more than 20 years and it makes you feel older than shit. But it's it's crazy how you look at that and it's like, yo, that was a really dope experience, but it's something I could never set my son off to do. And I can't sit here and tell you that if I were presented with the same opportunity, I would have taken it because of just the risks involved, especially one of those knowing now what you didn't know then. I just couldn't imagine doing it. And when you talk about the NFL, which is the by far the, the biggest offender in all of these issues with concussions, the dads of the day I'm recording this, the NFL just had the settlement upheld, the $1 billion settlement to the former players who have experienced head trauma and experienced health problems and issues following their playing careers. And I can honestly say that a billion dollars probably isn't even a third as much as those players probably really deserve for all their lifetime care. And and trust me, these are things that go on for a lifetime. It's debilitating. If you watch some of the older episodes of HBO's Real Sports, you'll see what I'm talking about. This is something that's going to go on for generations, and it's only going to get worse. And you're already starting to see what's happening to the NFL. Players are retiring early, like real early. I'm not talking about just like Calvin Johnson retiring at age 30. I'm talking about dudes retiring at 23, 24, 25, getting out the game after a year, two years, saying, nope, can't do this. But you also have to understand that even if you retired from the NFL at 26 or 27 years old, if you started playing football at, say, age 10 or 11 or 12, you got 15, 16 years of head trauma, getting bashed and battered, taking unexpected concussions, and even the little micro shots. And once you get one or two concussions, it becomes easier over time, especially if you're subjected to repeated head shots. I can see why guys get out the game. But you wouldn't think that concussions were a big deal if you asked the NFL. In the last month alone, Two high-profile owners plus one very high-profile coach have said some of the dumbest things you could imagine. Whether it's Jerry Jones openly saying that he doesn't believe there's any research that proves that there's a connection between CTE and concussions. Despite the fact that there's been plenty of research that every player who's donated their brains to the CTE Foundation up in Boston, which is run by former pro wrestler and football player, Chris Nowinski, they've all come back for CTE. All of them football players. Kind of tough when you start seeing those numbers hitting on a 1,000 clip. This idea that this is all made up. Then you have Jim Ursay, the wonderfully classy individual that he is, saying that it's not a big deal and just saying, take some aspirin, it's just a headache. 
Well, coming from a guy with a well-known pill addiction, I kind of find it humorous that he decided to use that analogy out of anything else. And then there's Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, basically making it seem as if this isn't really a big deal. We're about to lose football. We're about to lose football in this country. Remember, you got to say it like that. You got to say it like, football. And they're blaming the moms as if the moms of these football players are the reason why everybody's so worried. As if there aren't dads walking around here or eventual dads like me walking around here who will say, no, you're not doing it. You're not getting your head cracked. You're not getting your head bashed. And even though coaching has changed markedly since I was in high school, and by the way, I'm not sitting here taking a crap on my coaches. It's just how things were back then. You didn't treat concussions with the type of urgency that you treat them today. And you sure as hell didn't do it 25, 30, 35, 40 years ago. So even though coaching is different, you can try to teach kids how to tackle it all you want to. There's still going to be a Vontez Perfect running around out there trying to decapitate someone. There's going to be a Jerome Harrison waiting to take somebody out. There's going to be a Terrell Suggs. There's going to be one dirty dude on every team who doesn't give a damn about the rules and is going to go out there headhunting. It doesn't make a difference what you do to change it, but to just be dismissive of it and treat, essentially treat concussions in the NFL the way that the tobacco industry covered up for smoking all those years, lest we forget that. And by the way, it is rather interesting that some of the same lawyers who worked with the tobacco industry are also working with the NFL. The same league that spent pretty much the better part of the last 20 years squelching and squashing and covering up any evidence of long-term brain damage that comes from the NFL. And if we haven't learned anything else, as I mentioned in episode three, as I mentioned about Flint, why would you cover anything up? Why? It always, always comes to light. You look at Dave Duerson, suicide. Junior Seau, suicide. You've got other former players simply dropping dead. And when they drop dead, their brains get donated and they find CTE there. What the hell else do you need? Chris Benoit was on one of the earliest cases, or at least known cases of it. People thought it was steroids that caused him to rage out and, and kill his wife and kill his son and then kill himself in 2007. A lot of that was because of the accumulated headshots he took from the flat-on, straight-up, chair shots to the head that you've noticed have pretty much disappeared from professional wrestling in the past five years. The unprotected chair shots to the head, the diving headbutts off the top rope. That's why Daniel Bryan retired. Bryan Danielson quit the game. Bryan Danielson is younger than I am and his career is done as a professional wrestler because he got more concussions than he could count and it was so bad that he started having seizures. Seizures after these concussions. MMA. Hockey, hockey, as much as I'm from Detroit, as I mentioned that, in case you didn't know, as much as people in Detroit hate Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins, he essentially lost two years of his career to concussions, headshots. It's just as big of a deal in hockey as it is in the NFL. And less than even get into MMA and boxing, it almost seems every year and a half or so, either a boxer or a mixed martial artist drops dead after a fight because of taking one too many shots to the head. But yet, yet I got to sit here and listen to an old fossil like Jerry Jones, or I gotta listen to Jim Ursay out here acting as if concussions aren't a big deal. When I can, well, at least I know Jerry Jones played college football. He played college football at Arkansas, so he should know better. Jim Ursay, I can't speak for Jim Ursay, but I'm gonna take a wild guess. He never strapped on the pads. He just owns a team that does, and he sounds ridiculous. He sounds like an idiot. 
I have to ask this question, and I wonder about this in all sincerity. Why do people insist upon being on the wrong side of history on common sense? That just seems to be human nature. Rather than acknowledge something happening for fear of actually, you know, helping people at the expense of costing you a little bit of money, you would rather go through thrice the effort, not once, not twice, but thrice the effort, to cover it up and treat anyone who points it out like a criminal or a crazy person. But it's not just the NFL that does this. This happens all over the world. But in the United States, we're just unusually terrible at covering up things rather than just addressing them. I mean, take a look at history. Some idiots at one time thought that smoking was actually healthy, despite all evidence to the contrary. I'm old enough to remember when smoking in places such as restaurants, schools, and airplanes were all things. There are people who still deny that secondhand smoke is dangerous. There are people who at one point disputed how dangerous drinking and driving was. Today, there are still people who, despite mountains of proof, insist that climate change isn't real because... Jesus, maybe? I don't know. There were people who were vehemently defending segregation in this country because an integrated society would be dangerous. And the same thing has been said about interracial couples and gays and letting Muslims into your neighborhoods and letting Latinos into your neighborhoods and any kind of immigrants and Irish and Catholic. All this went on because people lived in denial of things. And as I mentioned in episode three, which of course you can download here on iTunes, the state of Michigan saw copious amounts of lead and Legionnaire's disease in the water in Flint and spent almost two years and tons of money denying it all and discrediting people rather than just addressing the problem. Denial is more than a long ass river in Africa, people. It's human nature like track five of the Thriller album. It's the American way. So the thought that there are grown men Grown men with a specific agenda, mind you, who insist that years of getting bashed in the f***ing head have no cumulative effect going forward despite a mountain of evidence longer than the Rockies doesn't totally shock me, but that doesn't make it any less infuriating. The NFL pushed Major League Baseball out of the way a long time ago to become this country's pastime. How about you make some sort of attempt to try to do better to protect your players? And if you can't protect them, take care of them after they're done because nothing is worse than seeing former professional football players even pro football players who are in their mid to late 20s walking just like men who've returned from battle and the older they get the worse off they get look out for them take care of them you don't guarantee their contracts when they play how about you do something to guarantee their well-being afterwards the nfl falsely runs around with this designation of being a nonprofit, despite the fact that they make ridiculous amounts of money. How about you take care of the men that built the damn organization in the first place? Of the multitude of problems the NFL has, as we're not even going to get into the way that they treat women, the least you could do is try to treat these men who've given so much of themselves for that game, treat them with a, just a modicum of respect. When WWE is doing a better job of looking out for their wrestlers in terms of their drug program and their protocols on blood and their protocols on concussions. When they're doing a better job than you, we got problems out here. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. And we are out of here. Hashtag don't get swept. I'll see you next week. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio.